Yeah, let, let me give one. Whoever is whoever Jarvis Brownlee is guarding is a key player to watch <laughs> because we know Florida State's going to want to – I'll be honest. I think they're going to push him around a little bit, kind of get in his face, you know, put him on the ground on some blocks, moss him a couple times. I think they're going to want to do that just because of, A, he leads the team, B, he costs us the Jacksonville State game, and C, he's already made some headlines this week. Florida State has it in their minds. They're going to have to stay disciplined, keep their emotions in check when they're going against them. But I still think they're going to want to prove a point, and I wouldn't be surprised if at one point we're all on Twitter going, oh, my God, Brownlee, he did it again. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear. Presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson. Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are live on a wonderful Wednesday evening here in Tallahassee as Florida State. Louisville Cardinals are set up to go face on the road, at least Florida State side, and Mike Norvell on Friday night up there at Louisville. Big-time game here for both coaches, both teams. Big-time ACC talk here as we get ready for what should be a pretty pretty fun night here and two nights uh, over there at Louisville. So with me tonight, I, I, I'm really excited about this. We're trying to do this all throughout the season because – we get some good insight. We did it last two weeks ago with Zach over there from the LSU SI publisher site. But this week with us, I am excited to have Matt McGavick with us from the UFL Report. Uh, how you doing, man? Excited to have you on to preview what should be a really fun night up there on Friday night. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, man. So what's kind of the vibe right now as your season and covering the team it started off maybe not so expected with that loss to Syracuse. And then you go over and you go down and you play on the road against UCF down there in Orlando. What's kind of the vibe right now with Louisville? Because I think now listening to some of the other outlets and y'all's reporting, it seems like now, you know, Scott Satterfield's the fan base is a little wavering right now. They were wondering what just happened in, in week one? What, why, how did that happen? And now you go down and you take care of UCF, a talented team there and coached well by Gus Malzahn, you get the win. What's well, kind of the vibe there right now heading to Friday night? Well, I can tell you that the vibe is a lot better than it was this time last week. I think the best way to describe it now is probably a cautious optimism because heading into the season, just – there was a lot of positive momentum for the it's for the first time it seemed under uh, Scott Satterfield's guidance guidance that they hit the transfer portal and replaced them with legitimate power five caliber talent not to say that they hadn't in the past but they had made a, a habit of getting half 
P5 half, maybe group of five type guys, which can pay off. But for the most part, they had really kind of struggled to really get impact guys in the transfer portal. They did the complete opposite and they got, they addressed some really big needs through the portal. They made a, a pair of coordinator hires from respected Power Five institutions. Uh, brought in Lance Taylor from Notre Dame to be the OC. Brought in Wes McGriff from Florida to be the D, the co DC. And the recruiting has been phenomenal. They're a top fifteen, top top twenty class right now. They've got like five top two hundred prospects in the class, which is completely unheard of by local standards. There's all this goodwill, all this buzz. And then they go into Syracuse and just get the brakes beaten off them. They quite literally did nothing right. It is. It was like that they did not have an entire offseason to prepare for Syracuse. Offense looked disjointed. The defense couldn't tackle anything. The energy and effort was all but non-existent. There were questionable coaching decisions on both sides of the ball. And even special teams wasn't that great because they had a, a, one or two missed field goals in that game. I can't remember which, but quite literally nothing went wrong. Nothing went right. And going and this was an opponent in Syracuse that Louisville has beaten like a drum ever since they joined the ACC, not, not even under just Scott Satterfield, but under Bobby Petrino when Louisville first joined the ACC. The only time that Louisville had lost to Syracuse was in 2018 when they eventually fired Petrino. So to have all this optimism for this one game and then things to go so poorly. It was like the fan base was ready to fire Satterfield after one game, which I don't want to say was overly reactionary, but given everything that went on in that game, I wasn't about to tell people that they shouldn't feel that way. And so heading into this UCF game, I'm thinking, okay, it should be a a competitive game. I go from thinking that to thinking, I don't know how this team is going to compete with UCF because, I mean, we all know that UCF has made a reputation over the last several years of being a really high-flying, uh, prolific offense, whether that be under uh, Malzahn, Josh Heupel, Scott Frost, RIP to his career, um, and between all sorts of signal callers. Like, they, when you think of UCF, you think of a prolific offense. And Louisville's defense completely shut them out in the second half. They – the defense was the absolute star of the show, which is something that no one saw coming. Um, I believe they held UCF to 10 consecutive defensive stops to end the game. They, they held UCF scoreless and a half for the first time since, I believe, 2016. They were only the third team to beat UCF at the bounce house in the last six years. The, the offense got better. It still didn't look great, but it, it looked a hell of a lot better than it did against Syracuse. So a lot of people were thinking, okay, UCF was going to beat up Louisville pretty good. Not only do they field a competitive team against UCF, they outright win the game in a place that UCF doesn't lose very often. So the way that the fan base is kind of viewing this upcoming game now, they're curious as to how it's going to plan out because you have two different games where I know I'm getting a long-winded answer here, but they have two different games to start the season to where you have completely opposite results. You go into the Syracuse thing, game thinking, okay, should be a relatively easy game, and then they get killed. And then you go into the UCF game with almost no confidence, and not only do you win, you win in a matter that no one saw coming. So you have two kind of outliers here, and they're curious to see which one is closer to the real Louisville. So I think a lot of 
fans are hopeful that they're coming off the game where Louisville looked a lot better and not coming off a game where they looked horrible. But it, it's hard to forget how they looked against Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was definitely a disappointing start there. And the FSU fans were already kind of salivating there saying, okay, so we got to go on the road. We're going to play on a Friday night. So there's optimism there. And I think there still is, but there's some question marks. We'll talk about it here on the podcast tonight because this team at Florida State still got some maturing to do. And you look back at last year and years past, they will go from getting a big win to the next week looking like they had never played the week before. They never played a football game. So that's something that I'm keeping an eye on going into this game. There's got to be a lot of discipline. And I think Florida State has done a, a better job of that and it's shown that. Uh, and we'll discuss there because Florida State, uh, no means, you know, they, they've done this before where they've gone on the road and, and had mistakes because they weren't ready for that moment. They did it whenever they traveled over the Clemson. You know, they Florida State had a really good chance of winning that game. They were making good plays. You had Jermaine Johnson there taking it in for six after the sack. I mean, you had a lot of good things going in their favor. I'm feeling it kind of this way going into the Louisville game. Can they make those changes? Can they be much more mature, more disciplined on that side to where it doesn't put them in a bad spot? So that's my number one thing that I'm looking for into this game which team is going to be more disciplined on friday night where it's going to be what coach satterfield said he wants a he wants a hostile environment there and i think you know florida state has been doing as much as they can with the crowd noises they just went to new orleans and a very 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 loud crowd there in the caesar superdome but you're going to where now it is 95 96 97 percent louisville fans you're not going to have a lot of the war chant blowing in your favor it's going to be a little bit different for Jared Verse, like he said after that new, that uh, LSU game, where he felt like it was more at home because he had the war chant going. The FSU fan base was there. It's not going to be the same way up there in Kentucky on Friday night. No, not at all. It's actually a, one of the more underrated venues in the ACC, if you ask me. Cardinal Stadium is. Oh. FSU fans know real well about that stadium. <laughs> There's been some, <laughs> some interesting cool, games and interesting games. Absolutely. I mean, Jameis had to have one ridiculous throw to Ermin Lane there to save one of them. Um, but since, since then Florida State's had a pretty, pretty rough patch and coach Norvell Dustin. I mean, coach Norvell has not been successful going against Satterfield yet. Does that change? We'll see. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to depend on the running game because you look at one thing Louisville hasn't done well so far, and that's defend the run. They, they've given up 208 yards on the ground to Syracuse and UCF um, a piece in those first two weeks. And Florida State coming in with that three-headed monster in the backfield that we uh, saw perform really well against Duquesne, and then they weren't as good against LSU, only getting a, a long of eight yards. So I want to see that backfield be more consistent on Friday night. And from your point of view, Matt, what do you think Syracuse can do in that front seven to respond against a Florida State team that's probably going to try and run it early and often? I don't think they're facing Syracuse again, D. Lou. I'm I'm sorry, Louisville. And I don't think he wants to face Syracuse again. No, no. I I got my dose of Sean Tucker. I'm good on that part. (laughs) But if – if Louisville is going to try and counter this FSU ground game, they've got to get certain pieces in their front seven going because over the first, I would say five, five and a half quarters of of the season, the front seven did not look good. And that was an area of the field that many Louisville fans would think was the strength of the defense, especially in the linebacking core. Uh, They didn't get a lot of push against Syracuse. The linebackers looked awful against Syracuse in the first quarter against UCF 
it wasn't until about maybe halfway to the second quarter against UCF and then the second half that they started to get a lot more push, start to be a lot more disciplined with with uh, finding their gaps and plugging holes and things of that nature. But they have to continue to get some of their other guys, not like the marquee guys, guys like Ashton Gelati, Dorian Jones, who Gelati is a starter on the D-line, but he's had kind of a quiet start to the year. Dorian Jones is a backup linebacker who really shined in the second half against UCF. And then the starting linebackers, Momo Sanogo and Monty Montgomery, they they looked very, frankly, undisciplined in the first game of the year. And it wasn't until the second half against UCF that they started to be a lot more disciplined with reacting to what the quarterback is doing, actually pursuing ball carriers and plugging the run. They have to get them going. And quite frankly, Yasir Abdullah has to wake up because he was heading into this year. He was the guy on the defensive side. He was, I think he should have been preseason all ACC, but there's a good crop of linebackers in the ACC. So I can understand why, but he, he was a guy who had, who last season had the best pass rusher, pass rushing season by a local defender in nearly a decade. Had a, off the top of my head, I think it was 17 and a half TFLs and 10 sacks. That's, pretty good and through the first two seasons now granted offensive lines are countering for his ability and occasionally double teaming him sending him chip blocks but he's done almost almost nothing the first couple games of the season part of it has been what I, like I said offensive lines are scheming for him but whenever he's facing a single team or like a clear opportunity to make a play he hasn't really done so so if Louisville has any uh, chance at all to kind of bottle the run game or just get penetration in the backfield at all, whether it's get pressure on the quarterback or get a TFL on a running back, Yasir Abdullah has to have a big, a good game. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask too, and I was reading up on some stuff. What what do you think is up with Malik Cunningham? And, and I don't think it's really his fault. Maybe it's up to Satterfield. I know he said that they want to utilize him more because you look at the talent level of him. I mean, we were previewing him quite a bit this offseason going into ACC media days, and everybody thinks very highly of him. But it seems like maybe there's some handcuffs on him going into the season. What maybe is limiting him? Are you expecting maybe on Friday night for them to maybe unleash him a little bit more? Yeah, he went over 100 yard, 120-something yards against UCF. Is it time to unleash Malik against Florida State's defense where you saw Jaden Daniels be able to get down the field? They were doing a good job, though, and, and coverage for the most part of limiting Jaden. But then at some points, you know, Florida State's defense was playing prevent there in that last drive and it was allowing Jaden Daniels to come down the field. Yeah, it's going to be a different game plan here for Louisville going against FSU. But still, Malik Cunningham is a dual-threat quarterback, and he obviously knows how to use his legs. Are they going to – do some more with Malik. It just seemed like what Satterfield was talking about this week that they felt like they weren't utilizing his skill set enough. Yeah, and, and they admitted that. But in order for them to actually unleash Malik and have him be him, which th they did against UCF, in order for him to be able to be the Malik Cunningham that we have seen, seen in the past, he quite frankly has to play better because over the offseason, one of the big talking points, as is with any dual threat quarterback, not just with Louisville, about any Division One program in college, when you have when they have a starting dual threat quarterback, their main talking point is we want to continue to work on it as a pocket passer, get better with some of the elite throws, yada yada yada, which is something that uh, Malik and the coaching staff did and just hammered home off the offseason, which you know isn't a bad thing per se because Malik is while he's a good passer, he's not a consistently great passer, and as 
uh, the quarterbacks coach, uh, Pete Thomas, said they want, want to help him to consistently make the elite throws that can help get that offense to the next level. Well, it seemed in that Syracuse game that he was trying too hard to be a pocket passer. Not only that, um, but he was keying on uh, wide receiver Tyler Hudson nearly the entire game. He did not do a good job spreading the ball out. And coupled with that, he looked extremely hesitant to run, which in turn produced not a great game at all. So they let him kind of play his game against UCF. He did look a lot better. He didn't throw an interception that game, but he still didn't have a great uh, day completion-wise. He only went 14 of 29, if I remember correctly. But while he did do a better job spreading the ball out, but he had a little bit of an accuracy issue coupled with there were a couple untimely drops. So and, and I think the coaching staff is a lot more open to, you know, just letting Malik Cunningham be Malik Cunningham. That part is – is not really in question. It's now with them, it's more so like trying to find the happy balance of uh, we're going to call a pass play for him. We're going to call a design run for him or how many design runs for him. We're going to call up. So that part's the main question from the coaching staff. It's more so on Malik at this point to actually have a good performance because for the first two games, we've seen him not really have a complete game, not even have a, a good game per se, except for maybe, when it comes to running the ball against UCF when he had 120, 120 yards on the ground. But against Syracuse, he didn't, didn't look good throwing the ball, didn't look good running the ball. Against UCF, he didn't look that great throwing the ball, even though he did a better job distributing it, even though he did look good running the ball in that game. So he just has to be a lot more consistent. Yeah, and it seems like the Florida State defense is going to try and bring some pressure early on to, to knock Cunningham off his game and just to kind of get him out of rhythm. Um, and then, you know, he could use his legs to potentially dice up that defense. So looking at it defensively, what do you think Florida State has to do to be able to limit Malik on Friday night? Well, it's funny because normally pressure hasn't really been that sort of thing that has really rattled them all too much. I can't remember the set off the top of my head, but he was one of the better quarterbacks last year when dealing with pressure. But it seems like to start the year – pressure might be the answer because this offensive line, which was billed as potentially one of the top three, five lines in the ACC has looked average. I mean, they haven't been bad per se. They've, they've been okay, but they were billed as the, maybe the best position group on the entire team. And they've not really lived up to the expectation. So if, if Florida State is going to try and knock Malik off this game, maybe getting a solid modicum amount of pressure on him is the key because the offensive line, at least at this point, hasn't excelled to the level that Louisville fans expected them to. So we were talking about this in a production meeting before we went live, and we talked about Jarvis Brownlee. We're going to have, and it's not just Jarvis Brownlee. There's a lot of storylines that goes into this because transfer, this is now, this adds on so much more content. I love it. I love the transfer portal, and it's made Florida State, at least Mike Norvell, the staff has done a really good job there. But you're looking at Jared Jackson. You've also got Jordan Travis going back to where he started there at quarterback. But on the other side, you've got Jarvis Brownlee now, very animated player. He was the same way here at Florida State. And I understand, too, fans like to, gloss over the fact that there has been some bad coverage plays from Jarvis Brownlee, but 
some of that Florida State's going to try to take advantage of. We've already talked about is Florida State's rushing game and what Jarvis Brownlee does a really good job in is rush game defense. He's very good at that. No matter what, whatever you want to say about him, Florida State fans, you need to understand that's what he did really well at FSU. And you're expecting to have that same kind of play out of him on Friday night going against Florida State's running game with Trayshawn Ward, Trey Benson, Lawrence Toa Philly, and Jordan Travis. So what has it been with, with Jarvis Brownlee? What have you seen out of him? What have you liked? Obviously, had an interception there against UCF um, last week. Uh, we, you know, and we also got the quote out of him saying he circled this game on the calendar, and that's how it should be. I mean, I, 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 it's football. Absolutely. Circle it down. You want to go against your former team that, you know, you left and feel like things were working out well. What, what have you seen out of Jarvis, and what should we maybe expect from him on Friday night? Yeah, that, that quote. I certainly caught the ire of uh, FSU Twitter on that one. It but, did. Uh, that's a that's a it's a whole nother story. I'll, I was just a messenger. But uh, anyways, um, what I've seen out of Jarvis for the first couple of years, couple uh, games is a little bit of what we saw at FSU. He's a really aggressive corner, plays really good close to the line of scrimmage. the The best way to put it is that he's really boomer bust. He when he doesn't have things going, um, he's going to lose his man on a receiver. I mean, I'm not, I know that Florida State fans, they reminded me many times like, about Jacksonville State, so we know about that. But there, there are times – but when he's going, he's both really good in, in run support and has times where he can use his physical aggressive nature to really disrupt timings uh, for receivers, whether that's off the line of scrimmage, whether that's in breaks, in and outs, in and out of their routes – timing when it comes to jumping for balls and that can result in game changing plays like we saw against UCF. So I'm curious to see how it's going to convey against his old team as he, he told us yesterday that he's not really someone that tries to get his emotion that doesn't really get caught up in his emotions, you know, and, and every player says that when they're transfers playing their former team, I mean, that's the, PC answer to give, but sometimes we we all know that's not maybe the case, and it's going to be extra interesting because not only does Louisville have an ex Florida State player, but no Florida State has three ex Louisville guys and Jordan Travis, Jared Jackson, and Greedy Vance. So it's not like one side of the ball has an advantage over the other. It's like oh, we've got your playbook and we know your tendencies. Both sides have you know, and kind of an end to the other team. So. It's going to be interesting from the emotional standpoint and how kind of the players and coaches feel each other out from like the information they have on one another. Tight end Marshawn Ford has been around for a while. And then over the offseason, Louisville added former Tennessee running back Taiwan Edwards and former Central Arkansas wide receiver Tyler Hudson. And, and both of those guys are leading in their st- statistical categories through two games for the Cardinals. So, what can you tell us about the new additions for Louisville at the at the skill positions and some faces on offense that Cunningham will be trying to spread the ball to around on Friday night? Hudson's been really impressive over the first couple of games. Now that first game against Syracuse, that might have been because he was Cunningham was keying on him literally the entire night, but he was someone over the offseason that Louisville build as like who could have breakout potential, maybe all ACC type potential. And I got to see him a couple times over the offseason during the spring game, during a, a couple of rare opportunities we get to see open practices. 
And the guy, he he certainly looks the part in practice now when you're making a jump from the FCS level to FBS. It can be a little bit much for some for some guys, but as both Louisville and Florida State fans know, like sometimes it can pan out perfectly. It's happening with, with FSU and Jared Verse, and it's happening well with Louisville and Tyler Hudson. He's a guy who has incredible body control. He's got a really good catch radius. He's, he's someone that I really do think could end up playing on Sundays because he just looks like a receiver who's a jack of all trades. Maybe not a ma- but maybe a maybe not a master of various trades, but he does seemingly everything well to the point where he can take that skill set and it can translate to the NFL level. Now, it's I'd like to, it's going to be interesting to see against the defense of FSU's caliber because no offense to Syracuse. I mean, they've got a good defense but they don't have dudes, quite the amount of dudes that Florida State does, and maybe not UCF, even though they do have a solid amount of SEC-type transfers on their team. So that's going to be interesting. D. Wiggins is another guy who came in from Miami. He He's kind of been a little underwhelming, but that's because he didn't really get many opportunities to see the ball against Syracuse, and he only had a few targets against uh, UCF, and he did have a, a bad drop. Something actually – while I am looking for Cunningham to target Marsh on board, and why shouldn't he? Because he's Global's best pass catcher. He has been for the past couple seasons now. But I'll be looking for Amari Huggins-Bruce to kind of get involved because he, as a true freshman, he, he looked good last year as a, as a slot guy. He's really good after the catch. He's got burners. I mean, he had a, he had a good game against UCF, and now he's got, oh, he's got 104 yards on the season through two games. And – Talking to Coach Satterfield earlier this week, he made it a point to say, hey, we got to get some of these other guys involved, like Amari Huggins-Bruce, like D. Wiggins, like Braden Smith, who was supposed to be Louisville's number one receiver heading into the 2021 season before he suffered a knee injury against Florida State. So some of these other guys, I'll be looking for specifically Huggins-Bruce to get a lot more involved. From a FSU fan's point of view, who on – Friday night should FAC fans keep a close eye on on the Louisville side to be a playmaker. I know you named one or two there that you're keeping a close eye on, but who really should stand out for Louisville on this upcoming Friday night where FSU fans are going to be high alert onto the TV screen? We don't have to worry about any other games on Saturday happening. This is just straight-up primetime matchup between two ACC teams going at it. On offense, I would say it's probably Tyon Evans, the Tennessee transfer running back. He's I know over the offseason they've got Louisville made it a point to say, hey, we're not sure how who's gonna be like the dominant running back in this room because they, they really like the top four guys in that room. We'll kind of see play it game by game, who has the hot hands. We're not sure who's gonna be a quote unquote starter. Well, first two games of the season, Tyon Evans is already kind of taking a strangle stranglehold on that position. And he's he's looked really good in the process he's got a a good combination of both size and speed he he's not the best at hitting the hole I mean he's kind of hit or miss in that regard but when he gets open field he's hard to take down he's already got 167 yards and two touchdowns on the year just through two games so he's someone to look for on the offensive side of the ball especially considering how much uh, Scott's having to likes to run the ball, especially on second and third and long situations, which is something you'll probably hear the broadcast say a lot is that Satterfield has a weird tendency to want to r- run a lot on clear passing situations, but 
That's another story to get into. On defense, someone to look for who hasn't really gotten a run a lot of runs so far this year, but he is a known commodity for that defense is a cornerback Etrell Clark. He hasn't really showcased a lot early this season because they've kind of experimented with him moving a little bit in this scheme. So he's he's a cornerback, but they have him playing a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage in there what they call the card position, which is a hybrid linebacker safety kind of spot. They can both cover and play physical in the box. They have him switching between that position and nickel, which he can play, but he's more so suited as a CB1 because for the last couple years, he's been their best piece in the secondary period. I mean, he's got man-to-man cover skills who I think rival that of uh, – maybe not rival. He's got the best man-to-man cover skills – from a local defender since Jair Alexander. He's that good. Now, he didn't get to shine completely last year because the last three games he was out due to an ACL, but he still performed well enough to be named a second-team All-ACC guy. So I'll be interested to see what kind of an impact of this he has in this game because he's playing in a slightly different position than what he's used to, but he's too good of a guy to be as quiet as he has been the first two games. I think it's just – him probably getting a little bit more comfortable to where he is in this in this system because they really like uh, Jarvis Brownlee, obviously. They really like Quincy Riley, who was a cornerback that they got from Middle Tennessee State, who was arguably the best group of five cornerback that was last season. He's demonstrated really good ball skills. So they've – I don't want to say they've gone to a true 3-3-5 look, but they're kind of teetering on it. So I think – he, I don't want to say he's going to have a breakout game because he's already an established cornerback, but I'll be looking to see him try and make an impact on the game. This one, yeah, I got one more. This one uh, projects to be pretty close. It opened up with Florida State as a one-point favorite on most betting sites, and I think right now it's sitting around 2.5 points or so. So most betting sites are predicting a pretty good game on Friday night, and special teams could play a big impact in that. Florida State been a little up and down as far as field goal kicking, but the return units, kickoff return, um, punt coverage, they've looked pretty good for FSU. What can you tell us about Louisville's special teams performance so far? And if this game came down to a kick, would they be comfortable putting in their kicker's hands? Well, I guess foot. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> uh, it, it it really depends because it seems that after having a really good true freshman year, kicker James Turner has kind of been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because <laughs> he had a really an inconsistent sophomore year last year. And to start the year, he missed his one attempt against um, Syracuse. But then he did rebound against UCF with a pair of kicks that Louisville really needed to come away from that game. And it was actually to a point – um, to where at the end of the Syracuse game, backup kicker Brock Travelstead actually got some run at kicker, which, I mean, they didn't really need him a lot, but he got in for some extra points. But when it comes to pinning Florida State back, I mean, that's something that I think the Knowles have to take into account because sophomore punter Mark Bassett, he's he's looked pretty damn good to start the year. He's averaging – uh, 47.1 yards per punt. I mean, he, he is a sophomore, but he's actually 27 years old. He's an Australian punter. He went through the systems and the schools they have over there to get prepared and trained for American football. And he's he's really booting the ball. I think his, his long is 
55 yards. He's pinned inside the 20 a handful of times. So he's he's definitely a huge factor when it comes to the hidden yardage part. The main concern with special teams, because they, they do a really good job with on defense, like holding teams on kickoffs and punts and getting out of the end zone and generating some yards that way, especially with Jahar Jordan, who was a Syracuse transfer who had a breakout game in the bowl game last year when he had over 200 all-purpose yards. So they're not really concerned on that part. The most concerning part is can, which kicker are they going to get, which we're still not 100% certain on which one's going to show up. I will say FSU does know about Australian punters because they've got one of their own and Alex Mastromano. <laughs> got the Aussies. Got the Aussies on the kicking side over <laughs> here from both sides. So jumping into this. Kicker. Yeah, exactly. They do. They do. Uh, but going – into this game, I, I want to get your thoughts and, and score prediction because, from you know an insider's perspective, I always love hearing kind of the vibe that's coming out of Louisville, and then also realistic thoughts going into it because this is huge not only for both coaches but on the recruiting side, like you said, Satterfield. Right now, uh, they got some kind of trend going upwards right now on the recruiting side. Magnervell. Also, after getting that LSU win, a lot of recruits across the country needed some answers right there. And that was a big one to go over there and compete with an SEC school and get that win at a neutral slash road game. He's got that going for him. But now we're getting into the ACC games. You know, that, that's fun, cool stuff. That's over with. You know, you're going into the ACC and you're competing now to get to that ACC championship no matter what. It's real time. What do you think about this game ahead and your score prediction for the Louisville Cardinals on Friday night? It's it's definitely going to be a competitive one. I think what's going to really end up determining if Louisville comes out victorious or not is if they can play much cleaner football. Because quite honestly, they kind of got lucky with coming out victorious against UCF because they committed 12 penalties in that game, six penalties each on each side of the ball. There were several opportunities where they, they were either in the red zone and committed either a holding to get them knocked back a few yards to have to alter up the scheme there. On defense, there were a few offsides, one of them on which was a very crucial fourth and one around midfield end up giving UCF the fresh of the downs. Actually, I think on defense they had three or four penalties that gave the Knights an automatic first down. So, and – Louisville already isn't that great of a team in the red zone and on third down. So adding all of these costly penalties just further compounds that issue. So if they can be a lot more disciplined in this game and, and continue on their defensive success they had against UCF, start to get things progressing in the right direction offensively because they certainly didn't have a perfect showing in the, in the past game. I don't want to say I have a great feeling about Louisville's chances, but I certainly feel a lot more confident in them if they play a more disciplined brand of football. I know I'm going to sound like a homer by saying this, but I, I do think that that narrow spread is pretty accurate. I'm, I'm probably going to regret this, but I think well, if, if they can limit the penalties, I think Louisville can come out with a 28-27 win. One point, one point game that then that would come down to uh, either a game winner by a uh, kicker or something. It had to come down to really a close game there. I mean, I, I'm I'm almost in that same range with you. We'll give our our score predictions at the end of the show tonight. But 
uh, that would create a very fun game, which I'm I'm all about. FSU fans though would like to see a win on their side, but either way, I'm expecting a competitive one because you still got to remember Florida State's on the road in a true road game manner. Uh, different colleges this isn't going to be where you've got maybe 35, 30,000 somewhere around that range of FSU fans like they had in New Orleans. So. It's a true test for a lot of the newcomers, which there are a lot of newcomers on FSU's roster. So I'm looking forward to covering it, covering it this upcoming week. I know you are, too. Best of luck over there. Matt, we definitely appreciate you. Make sure you guys go ahead and shout out to your socials, everything y'all show, uh, and let everybody know uh, where you're at with the LSUSI publishing site. You can find my personal Twitter, uh, Matt underscore McGavick. You can find my site, Twitter, local report, at UofL report. Uh, me and a couple of my fr- my buddies, uh, we host a weekly uh, Louisville football podcast called From the Pink Seats. If you don't understand the, the mm-hmm. joke, it's because Louisville Cardinal Stadium for years had pink seats because the sun bleached all the seats and it was pink and it was whole thing. But yeah, you can find that pod at Pink Seats Pod. And yeah, it's a fun old time over there. We try and give our best insight from a perspective of a fan, a journalist, and someone who actually played because one of our co-hosts, Vincent Lococo, was a former walk-on and student assistant there. So we have the kind of the insight on that part. And it's a, it's a really fun time breaking it down from an X's and O's standpoint. Man, y'all do a great job over there. Great work. So appreciate you, Matt. Best of luck, too, for the rest of the season. Looking forward to covering this game on Friday night primetime. It's, fingers crossed it, it will be a good game. I hope so. I just I don't want another Syracuse game. <laughs> not another Syracuse game. Matt does not want another Syracuse game. And are we all watching out for Syracuse? I mean, what they did to Connecticut, they put some points on the board. Are we? Are we all on alert? Not or UConn yeah, until count. they face someone else. UConn doesn't count. They. I mean, yeah, UConn doesn't count, but they they might be not completely terrible. Dino, they really might Dino's saving it. Dino wants to stay in the orange. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But yeah, Matt, appreciate you, man. I'm sure we'll be in, in touch. Uh, definitely going on the Friday night. So appreciate you for hopping on here this year with us. Thank you guys for having me on again. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. Well, that was great to get some insight there. Absolutely need it. I love having these throughout the week. We're going to do this all throughout the season and getting the insight from guys over there covering it, hand, hand at practice and everything. And getting the interviews is perfect for this. So it's always good to kind of get the other side of things. But I did get the feeling from him that still a lot of question marks, as there should be, but from him alone being there on the inside, seems like wasn't too confident in that score prediction at the end. Yeah, and, and like he said, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get. They came out flat against Syracuse. They responded for a gritty win over a tough UCF team on the road, and now home opener – 0-1 in ACC play. This is a game that Louisville can't afford to lose. And on the other side, Florida State, they want to win this ACC opener and get to 3-0 for the first time in, I believe, seven years, you know, maybe earn a top 25 ranking on Monday. So for each program, this is a pretty pretty big game. Mark's on here given the chat the real scoop here, 134 watching and only 35 likes run up, run up the likes guys. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. We've got still a good amount to talk about. We are going to go through the football quick hitters of the week. We're going to go through thoughts and observations from practices this week. We are going to talk some Winston Wright jr. I know we've been getting to talk about all throughout the comments since the off season began, but we will talk a little bit about 
Winston Wright Jr., there is some progress happening there. We'll talk some recruiting with Hakeem Williams and Blake Nicholson, both guys, big-time FSU targets, making their commitments soon this month. And then we'll go straight into our game preview. Got to talk white helmets. Got to see a little taste of it with the quarterbacks, their practice this week. Also, Jarvis Brownlee, we talked about him a little bit, but we're going to talk about how Florida State is going to maybe game plan around him. We'll talk Jordan Travis, Jared Jackson, Greedy Vance, along with keys to winning and score predictions. So a good amount left to talk about this evening. As always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Hit the like button if you're hanging out with us this evening. Let's jump into it, guys. Let's talk about practice this week. You and I, D. Lou, and attendance for that. We were Monday, Tuesday. This schedule is all over the place. I mean, the FSU SIDs are their heads are all over the place when we are too. But Monday, Tuesday practice, a little, a little, little bit of a slower. Maybe practice Monday wasn't the same way as the bye week was because that turned into Magnervell. Absolutely, he wasn't going to say, but he did not. He was not a huge fan whatsoever of one of the practices. Uh, but going into this week, Monday, Tuesday, one thing that I'll take away from it, D. Lou, is Jordan Travis looking pretty sharp through the last couple of days that we're at least able to attend. Luckily, Magnavelle allows us to be there all throughout the practices for the media. Jordan Travis has looked pretty sharp, man. And I've liked the way that not only, you know, Coach Tarkars has been developing with him, and keeping eyes down the field, but Mike Norvell calling up some plays during practice that I think benefits his skill set. Yeah, I mean, we're we're seeing the progress from Jordan Travis. You know, he looked great against LSU, and I'm sure he wants to go back to Louisville where he began his college career and put on a, a pretty good performance under the lights in front of the country once again. And, you know, he's come out last week and this week pretty focused on that goal Norvell spoke to us after practice yesterday and said that uh, Travis is starting to see things before Norvell even has to say it to him. He's starting to realize when he's made a mistake before Norvell even has to bring it up. And that just shows the maturation that he's made over the last couple of years, learning from Coach Norvell and now Coach Tokars um, as well. And he's been connecting uh, with Malik McLean and especially Micah Pittman very well. Pittman is a guy over the last four practices, it seems like him and Jordan have connected more than maybe um, the spring and the early part of fall camp. For whatever reason, those two are in a groove right now, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think Micah has seven catches on the season so far in two games. wouldn't surprise me if he doubles that on, on Friday night against Louisville and grabs seven catches. Yeah, no, I definitely liked what I've seen so far in practices between Jordan Travis and Micah Pittman seems like dealer they're, they're building chemistry a little bit mm. more now and that we expected maybe just to be a little bit of a slower start there the same way you look over there with Johnny Wilson do span newcomers onto the scene and learning that offense and it's not the easiest offense to understand there with coach Norvell and what he likes to run a lot of different schemes that guys move in um, and so you look at Jay Trav and Pittman connecting very well uh, throughout practices. And I, I you know, on the, on the de- defensive side on Tuesday, it's just the same old, same old with, with Jared verse, man. Yeah. I mean, getting back to the backfield, we're instantly, you know, we're on our phones. We can't live tweet what's happening. Can't do videos, uh, team drills, but you know, we're immediately on our phone. Like, okay, Jared verse recorded two sacks. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes to start our practice. And he sets the tone for the defense and it makes and it's a good it's a very good you know iron sharpens iron type of thing where you have Jordan Travis has to sometimes use his legs but he's keeping his eyes down feeling like you said he's been able to find Michael Pittman 
uh, Micah Pittman, and then also, you know, Malik McLean too, uh, who's had a nice couple of practices also. Yeah. Verse just whenever he's out there coming off that edge, man, like you said, uh, first him and Derek McClendon converged on the pocket. And then he came on the next play on his own. I mean, he's consistently making an impact throughout these practices. And I thought another guy in that defensive end room, a veteran Leonard Warner, thought he had a pretty good performance on Monday and Tuesday for Florida state. And I'd be interested to see if that comes through whenever he does get in um, the game on Friday night, but I'm, I'm looking uh, at the linebackers, Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach. They both came out extremely focused this week. Obviously they're going up against a quarterback and Malik Cunningham, who's going to put that ball on the ground and test them with his legs. And we saw against LSU, Jaden Daniels was able to get the the best of them a couple of times, finishing with over 110 yards on the ground and, just making some some plays that were not on schedule, you know. Whenever the pocket the pocket broke down, getting out there, getting some some big yardage. So the linebackers they want to limit Cunningham, who, in my opinion, is more established than uh, even Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels was coming into that game. I know he's had a couple struggles yeah. during these first two weeks, but that's a really good quarterback on the other side. And like Matt said, they're trying to figure out a way to get him into a rhythm. You don't want that to happen on Friday night. I want to give a shout out here to Mark Bossler with the 20 bomb, 20 bomb donation says, Lord, y'all knows y'all deserve more, but, uh, than this, but we appreciate y'all bringing it every time. So I appreciate Mark hopping on here and dropping the 20 bomb. Super, super appreciate it. And also with a lot of y'all coming in here, giving some support to us, definitely got a long season ahead, but you guys coming here, tuning in adds a lot more energy to us. Cause at some points I get tired of talking to Dustin 24 seven BZ, not so much. Cause I don't see him all the time, but I do see Dustin a lot. I text Dustin a lot. I've been told that I text him. He texts me more than he talks with his wife. So uh, it's a lot of me and talking to Dustin throughout the week. So y'all coming in here, bringing this kind of energy makes it makes it just a little bit better for us to hop on here for an hour and a half every week. Don't make it weird. Uh, I don't know. It's not weird. I'm admitting it. Basically, yeah. he's saying he's sick of you. So yeah, that's true. Uh. Um, but yeah, so anybody else really stand out from practices this week? Uh, I'm definitely missing somebody. I mean, Jamie, I thought has looked pretty smooth back there in the backfield. Akeem Dent also. Dent. Yeah, Akeem Dent, you got to see him in pass coverage. So we kind of split up in practice. Sometimes I'll go watch OL versus DL and then you'll go watch coverage. But you got to see a couple guys come away with some interceptions this week, including Akeem Dent. Yeah, Akeem Dent had two. Jerry and Jones had two uh, on, I think it was. Monday, um, Azaria Thomas is just always around the ball. I don't think he came away with a pick, but a couple deflections. So you really like to see that from this defensive backfield. I would say the wide receivers got them got the best of them uh, during Tuesday's practice, but that was kind of the same thing leading up to LSU week. And then the defense went in there and played a really good game against some talented LSU wide receivers and limited limited them until that fourth quarter where things kind of started to fall apart. So I feel pretty comfortable with where the defense stands going into Friday night, um, especially that front seven when it comes to Louisville putting the ball into uh, Taiwan Edwards' hands and running it. They're definitely going to have to stay on point against Malik Cunningham, but I'm not as sold on Louisville's skill players outside of Marshawn Ford, where Florida State has had some tight end problems in the past. One guy that we need to know before moving on from this segment of the podcast is Winston Wright Jr., the West Virginia transfer wide receiver. Starting to see some prog progress happening now, D. Lou. You know, it's been limited since the beginning. You know, 
was already limited in the spring. The car wreck happens. It kind of slows down that rehab. But now we're starting to see him. He was out there running routes, catching passes from the quarterbacks, still progressing and, you know, getting down with the rehab. And Coach Norvell continues to comment and say, you know, we're taking it one step at a time. Uh, and there's never going to be, I don't think, a for sure comment, no matter what it will be, week eight, week nine, if he's going to be available for a game, no matter what. But for the first time, we're able to see the progress happen now. And I think it's a good sign to see him starting to build some chemistry. To me, this is the biggest thing for me. It's always been this way, is building that wide receiver and quarterback chemistry. And that's something Winston Wright Jr. is now being able to finally develop and grow there. And so slowly but surely, making the steps, Delu. But VZ, Dustin, we've all talked about, we talked about in New Orleans. You know, after the game, Florida State beats LSU, you know, that wide receiver unit came to play on Terry Wilson. Boom. Hello. There you are. If you're able to, in the middle of the season or wherever that time comes where Winston Wright Jr. is available, that's a pretty fun wide receiver room because you weren't expecting Deuce Span to blow up like this. But if you're able to have Winston Wright Jr. come up easy, it adds a lot to that wide receiver room. He was West Virginia's best receiver last year. So just to add some of that talent to this room, that's I, I would say it surprised us so far. Obviously, they could improve their hands a little bit, but, but getting a receiver of Winston Wright Jr.'s caliber into that rotation, you know, I think he's a phenomenal deep threat. He's got great hands. You know, it's something Jordan Travis needs, just another reliable threat because, you know, we've seen that a little bit with the drops from, from Pittman and Johnny Wilson. Getting a sure-handed guy in there can really only help things. It's a positive sign to see where he's at in his rehab. You know, whenever fall camp started, he was just kind of over there off to the side doing some minimal footwork and, and things like that. And now to have him out there, you know, I know it's on air and he's not taking hits from defenders yet, but just to be out there catching passes from the quarterbacks, getting a chance to run routes, you know, make make cuts, different things to test his leg like he wasn't doing before and uh, the, the at the start of his rehab. You know, it's it's promising. And I don't think he's going to be back, you know, next week or, or two weeks from now. Norvell hasn't provided an official timeline for his return, but I still think there's some hurdles that um, Winston Wright is going to have to jump through before he is eventually cleared to return and take contact and everything, you know, especially with where that injury occurred on, on that leg. So we'll just have to see how it goes, but for him to be out there running, like I said, cutting, running these routes, getting some timing, as you mentioned, Logan, with the quarterbacks, that's a good thing for Florida State. And if they are able to get him into lineup, Later this season, I would say that's a win, all things considered, especially with when he suffered this injury. I kind of get the feeling we won't see him before the Clemson game. And even if he's not back by that game, you have a bye week after that. And, you know, maybe he's back for that last five game stretch, starting with Georgia Tech. I feel like Georgia Tech would be a good game for him to return anyway. It's not as big of an opponent. Get a feel for his legs again. I feel like that's realistic. Um, but really just him getting healthy and rehabbing is more important than anything and getting that chemistry down, like Logan said. Yeah. I, like you said, that, that VZ, that was your wide receiver one at West Virginia. So to bring that guy and place him here at FSU where you're starting to see, and it's only been two games. It's only been two games, but you're seeing improvement there from the wide receiver room and it goes to help too with Jordan Travis development there and progressing. Getting the ball, staying downfield, eyes downfield at the wide receiver. You know, that – that's going to be pretty exciting for FSU fans if they're able to see number one out on the field because we've been seeing him kick return and taking those reps. But then after that, nothing much else. But, you know, this week we've seen progress there from uh, Wright Jr. So 
we'll continue to keep an eye on that. If we're able to share more or there's more happening in practice, we will make sure to do that on the show and keep you guys up with the latest. So um, a good overall, I will say a good practice uh, this week. A little and it's a bye week, so it's fully understandable after a really physical game against LSU. So bye week practice, eh. But this week, I thought guys looked sharp, and that's going to help my prediction later on in the show. Uh, let's jump into uh, some recruiting stuff real quick before we go into this FSU versus Louisville uh, game preview and score predictions. Hiking uh, Williams making his commitment this month, along with Blake Nicholson, two guys, a big target here. Who would you like to start off with? Maybe Blake Nicholson. Um, you know, between a couple of teams here, but it seems primarily between Florida state and Oregon at the end. Think Randy Shannon, along with some off uh, the field uh, personnel at Florida state have done a really good job uh, in this recruitment. Uh, and has had, it has made the whole family feel at home here in Tallahassee. I think after that LSU one, I think the answer has been made inside that household. I'm not going to speak for them, but it feels like things are swinging heavily in Florida state's favor after uh, about two weekends ago. Yeah. You're six days out now from Blake Nicholson's announcement. He announced a top three of uh, Oregon and UCLA. So Florida state competing with those two to land him. And one interesting tidbit that I did notice on his announcement, he put six 30 Pacific time. And then he also made sure to add nine 30, Eastern time. So that's, that's an interesting detail on the graphic from got some Easter eggs, got some Easter eggs, Dustin following the Easter eggs. But yeah, like you said, uh, general manager, Derek Ray has done a really good job here getting Florida state in the door. And then Randy Shannon, Mike Norvell, some other members of the coaching staff have come in to try and help close it. Florida state was just over there last weekend to, to watch Nicholson perform during his high school game. And, you know, same thing with Hakeem Williams. You had Mike Norvell and Ron Dugans go down there to South Florida to watch Stranahan, Stranahan High School play last Friday night. So the coaching staff making the most of that bye week on the recruiting trail. It does feel like Florida State is in a really good spot for Nicholson. Uh, I guess our next show is one week after he commits. So I've had my prediction in for Nicholson to Florida State since the end of July. I still feel really comfortable with that, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up a Seminole next week. And as for Hakeem, you know, coming out of the summer, there was definitely some optimism on the Florida State side, but I was trying to be cautious with it. Um, and then after the LSU game, Williams and his camp, very impl- impressed. Like I said, Norvell and Dugans were just down there last week to see them again. Uh, Hakeem was at Pittsburgh's loss to Tennessee last weekend. He'll be in Texas A&M to watch them take on Miami this weekend. He's set to commit on September 23rd. Right now, depending on what happens in the last nine days or so of this recruitment, I'm feeling really comfortable with where Florida State is at. And, you know, we'll have another podcast before he does commit. But right now I do have him committing to Florida State. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Big predictions. Uh-oh. That'd be a fun September for FSU. I haven't put that in the Discord yet. But <laughs> as, of, as of now – so everybody, all I mean, the pain that was like, man, what the hell? Oh, get ready! No, he's gonna get pelted on Discord. But there's a reason why you come and listen live on Hear the Spear of the shows. On we got to start getting some people on the show, so we gotta get we gotta trade there a little bit. But those would be two major big time targets for Florida State. Hikeems, in my opinion, the commitment or the recruitment doesn't stop for Hikeem fully. I see no. he's still planning on visiting other schools, but to already have the upside and 
have that lean of him going with Florida State to start off. You just got to hope that Florida State can contain him, which Florida, I'm not going to be Debbie down here, but the staff has not sometimes been a, done a good job of being able to hold on to some of these commitments or at least if things are heading their way, it kind of falls off there. But on the optimistic side, Florida State and, and Magnerville, to me, for Hakeem's part of it, and you might agree with me too, D'Lo, and then being at the practices and watching him come in, it just – he just feels comfortable, man. I mean, he kind of just walks around, uh, you know, he's interacting. Can't say as much what he's doing, but he is feels very much at home at FSU. Feels, feels kind of like a family vibe, in my opinion. And I think Mike Norvell has a really close connection to him. Yeah, not not only Mike Norvell and Ron Dugans, but then you look at the player side. Fortis 8 has linebacker Omar Graham right there, the, the true freshman who was just playing with Hakeem this time a year ago. And those two are, are pretty close friends and have a really good relationship. And on Hakeem's visit to Florida State, you know, Omar's been there a couple times to be out there and meet him outside of the Moore Center. Um, Hakeem was watching him pretty closely during a couple of Florida State's practices. So I think that's another thing that plays in the Seminoles' favor when it comes to this recruitment. And like you said, once he commits, it's definitely not over. Hakeem, he's going to come to Florida State um, for an official for the Florida game in November. There's also some rumors that he could see Alabama and Texas A&M down the line. So the coaching staff is going to have to continue to do their job and lock this one in and get that uh, signature during the early signing period. So you're saying Jimbo didn't do himself a favor with uh, losing at home to Appalachian State? Didn't help him out very well. And <laughs> I do know for a fact that Hiking Williams was watching that game. <laughs> Yikesies. Yikesies, yikesies, yikesies on what's going on in College Station. I can't wait for the Circus Fest this weekend when Miami comes to visit. Woo, that, um, mm, mm, should be fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, those two targets committing soon. We'll have full coverage, like Dustin said. Make sure you guys are in the Discord. It's free to join. It's down. If you're on YouTube, it's down in the description below. You hit the link, you join. It's free. And if you want nuggets and scoop from Dustin, along with me, VZ Basketball is coming up soon, which we'll talk about here at the end of the show. Nugget scoop, everything coming into that Discord right now. So make sure you stay alert. Definitely with Dustin. Dropping some predictions live on the pod. He's going to have to go to the Discord here after this and make sure those get addressed before he gets ripped apart. But, yeah, make sure you guys are in the Discord. Uh, some big, big-time targets might be swaying in Florida State's direction right now. Uh, let's jump into this predi uh, prediction. Let's jump into this game preview before we get into our score predictions and VZ's latest with the basketball ACC conference schedule being released. Florida State will be taking on the Louisville Cardinals on the road this upcoming Friday night, not Saturday, Sunday. We are all over the place to start off this damn season, but I can't wait to get back to a regular Saturday of college football. But it has been nice being able to have it one game on a Friday or a Sunday and actually get to watch football all day on Saturday. That's something I'm not used to, but this week it's going to be on Friday night. Florida State will be wearing all white. We got the new white helmets on board. They unveiled those. This week, how, how are we feeling about the white helmets, guys? I haven't really gotten your take on those. Dustin, we got to see those in person with the quarterbacks and J-Trav wearing them for in practice thoughts. And I need to hear the chat's thoughts, too, on the white helmets. What, what are we thinking, guys? I really like them. I know all the old heads and uh, <laughs> and keep oh. this tweet Twitter are going to be like, man, where's the gold? I really like it. <laughs> You know, I think they should have played with the face mask a little bit. I would have liked to see maybe a garnet face mask. Um, just see how it looks before I fully decide. But I really like it. The recruits are going to like it. The players are going to like it. 
and you're going to be able to showcase something on national TV. You know, you have to stage all to yourself Friday night. I think that kind of matters to try and make a statement a little bit. Yeah, I'm all for something new. We we thought they might break it out against LSU, but now they're going to do it on the road in Louisville. And how about the video to have Jordan Travis and Jarrett Jackson, two former Louisville Cardinals, be the ones that go out there and, and break that uniform news. So, yeah, I mean, I like it. I don't really have much else to say about it. If the players and the recruits like it, I like it. I was going to say, we're asking the wrong person here, VZ, on, on like sure. clothing, colors, Dustin design. Dustin only knows gray, so his opinion doesn't I've got a, I've got a white cup right here. <laughs> okay. White cup. Yeah, I don't think you wear white cups, buddy. I don't I think you wear white cups. And, and I, don't know, I don't know why people are surprised. I mean, they've been doing recruiting promos with white helmets for how long? Three, four years at this point? You know, this has been teased, and it's honestly about time that they're actually playing in one. Yeah, no, these are sweet. Like you said, we got to see a little bit of them and recruiting pictures, and I think that was the go-to for recruits, VZ. I mean, it's a big deal nowadays to go with uniforms. I understand wins are wins. You got to have that on the books, but, I mean, if you look at Oregon, too, Oregon wasn't nothing. I'm sorry. They were jack shit before they started doing some uniform combinations. They got all the money, Nike, everything. Boom, okay, we're going to start getting some recruits. So this works kind of. And then, okay, so we can build. We can get a coaching staff, yada, yada, yada. We're not going to go through the whole timeline of how Oregon put themselves on the map. But Florida State on their side, add wins. You add this kind of stuff. It's cool for recruits. It should be fun to see them on the field. I will say, seeing them in person up close, they are clean. I would have liked to see a little bit of gold and those spears up there. I think that would have matched nice with the knolls in the front there above the face mask. But you know what? I'm not going to complain too much. That can be changed later on but i do i think these will look pretty fun to watch on friday because for uh, louisville is going to be rocking black red black so uh, yeah make sure you get your head up above the comment there dustin so we can see you um but yeah the new helmets awesome looking in my opinion and for just national attention it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool looking so especially if you go out and play really well <laughs> yeah that like helps a lot that's going to matter more than anything. But if you've gotten played well in these, everyone's going to love them. Yeah, exactly. What are y'all's first thoughts going into this game on Friday night? I will say I was a little cautious. I don't know. I just felt weird after last week and the weekend. I was like, oh, man, the big question mark in my head. Is this team good enough? Are they matured enough now? Are they a discipline? Like Mike Norvell has been preaching since his arrival. Are they able to respond? He and I love I loved Coach Norvell's quote after the LSU game and uh, after a few practices during the bye week. Your season your season gets harder, and the season only gets harder when you're winning. You know, teams are going to give your them give them your best shot throughout the season, no matter what. But for an FSU team that's and he knows this, a team that's not used to winning like this or starting off the season like this, he knows what his team is. And he's hoping they respond and they perform well on Friday night. But what are y'all's initial thoughts going into this one? It's similar to what you said. It's can Florida State respond from success rather than defeat? You know, being this, in this position, you're 2-0 and under Mike Norvell for the first time since he's been here. The first time that this program has been able to get off to a successful start now, a 2-0 and start since 2016 so this is new territory for these guys on the roster um you're playing against a team that you haven't been able to beat yet under norvell and it's your first true road game like we've said a couple times on this podcast you know 
the game against LSU was in New Orleans, but there were a lot of FSU fans in attendance. This is the first real one on the road in Louisville on a Friday night. So, you know, pretty much everyone that lives in Louisville is going to be headed to the game. It's going to be a hostile environment. Florida State, they've been preparing for it with crowd noise um, ever since the bye week, really, that since we've been there. So they're doing what they can, but this is still going to be a tough game. It's the conference opener. And you go in this game, you're 3-0, and you potentially get ranked. This is a huge moment for Mike Norvell and this team. And to me, it's can they go in on Friday night and capitalize on it. And, and to Logan's point about staying disciplined, Louisville's drawn a lot of penalties in their first two games against Syracuse and UCF. Even though Syracuse dominated that game, I think they still had 14 penalties or something crazy like that. Through two games, they've drawn 29 penalties. You know, Florida State's going to have to stay disciplined in this game. They're going to have to convert on third downs. They were UCF was terrible against Louisville on third downs. I think they're four of 16, whereas Florida State was really good against LSU on third downs. That's something I have to do, and they're going to have to stay out of trouble penalty-wise. That's the only way Louisville – really, a lot of drives were kept alive last week against UCF because of penalties on third downs. And that's going to be big for Florida State. Can they show that maturity? Can they show that discipline on the road in what should be a really good environment? Yeah, and that's a good point, Austin, because when you look at Louisville, their defense, it hasn't been great this season. And last season they they were allowing over 400 yards a game, but they stiffened up to only allow 38.9% of their third down conversion. So if Louisville can get you off the field early and make you punt, they're going to be successful. But if you can create these long drives like Florida State did, against LSU, you're going to grind up some clock and put yourself in a position to win this game on the road. Yeah, Florida State's done a good job on their side on the offense, being able to convert on those third downs, and Jordan Travis has done a good job keeping his eyes downfield and making some plays, some of them, some acrobatic ones, going back to that play, going to Johnny Wilson for the first down. Incredible play. Florida State has done that, but you would like to not have to rely on that so much. And one of the biggest things, like y'all have been talking about penalties, you got you to gotta stay disciplined. This is going to be your true first road game of the season going into a hostile environment, a college stadium. And like, and like we were talking about earlier, the whole Louisville fan base is going to be there. And it's a big game for Scott Satterfield uh, on his side of things because now they're starting to question him a little bit after that Syracuse loss, as they should. You know, they shouldn't have lost to Syracuse like, the, like they did. It wasn't even competitive. This is big answer game for, for Satterfield. I'm sure he's going to have a lot of recruits uh, around the game on Friday night. So there's a lot of things that go into this one, too. On Mike Norvell's side, though, you're looking to start off the season 1-0 in ACC play. That's huge for them, building that momentum there, because then you go on to face Boston College, who, let's be honest, they look like dookie dookie. I mean, you can go in and start off 2-0 on the ACC, which Mike Norvell would love that momentum going into October like that. So, you know, Mike, Scott, very, very coach versus coach kind of game, in my opinion, if we're looking at storylines. And I think it goes more than just coach versus coach. You know, we talked about the transfers between the two schools. There's been a lot of recruiting between the two schools. If we talk about, if you want to go back to Chubba Purdy and Josh Griffiths, who, yeah, are no longer at FSU, but for a long time they were committed to Louisville. You have, Devon Mortimer from last year's class who's committed to FSU then flips to Louisville, then ends up not showing a campus. There, there's just a lot going on between these two schools. And frankly, I don't think either of these two schools like each other. 
I personally know from the basketball side, these two schools hate each other. And from the football side, it's not that much different. There's a, there's a lot of chirpiness. It kind of goes back to that Lamar Jackson game where we just got our faces rubbed in. And that there's always been that chippiness, that that little want to bark. There's always a little bit of that. And hopefully it stays calm, contained. Obviously, Brownman's going to be talking a lot. The, the, the emotions are going to be high, and it always is. It just depends if you can contain them a little bit. And we've seen Jarvis in the past almost got a penalty last weekend against UCF. A lot of vulnerability there on Louisville's side with penalties. And Florida State does like to take advantage of that. Magnervell will do that. And that's one thing. I want to see if he's going to continue this campaign of trying to take over the time of games because you saw in Duquesne, Duquesne's Duquesne. You know, they were going to get down the field no matter what on anybody. Or, I mean, against Duquesne, whoever was out there. But, you know, Louisville, I thought they did a really good job of managing the time. And we saw that right out the first quarter. LSU. LSU, yeah, we looked at each other like, oh, damn. What did I say, FSU versus FSU? Said LSU, you said Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. No. Well, maybe I'm thinking ahead here. Maybe I'm thinking ahead here. I'm a wizard, maybe. Oh, I don't this know. is already I got my wand. third game mistake we've already made. I think we're just idiots at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Called Louisville. Uh, well, we are idiots. We are idiots. We are not perfect whatsoever. But um, I do think, though, Florida State is going to have to take it, control this game on time, and they will be able to do that if that run game gets going, guys. Louisville's rushing – uh, rushing defense is not so bueno. It's not so pretty. What is pretty? Florida State's run game and at least Trey Benson alongside, well, really, Trayshawn Ward being the leader there. And then you've got Lawrence Toa Philly. They can really take advantage of getting down the field and scoring on Louisville if they need to. And you don't really have to press J-Trab to throw as much in this game, in my opinion. You certainly don't need to have him running around a lot. I thought they'd have to do that a lot more against LSU and in my opinion, for the game plan, I don't think they really have to do that as much. If, that can, if they can get the run game going, we didn't talk about it, guys, and we should. Bless Harris. We didn't talk about it last week. We forgot to, but bless Harris. Um, Florida State's offensive tackle, not going to be available for the rest of the season due to injury. We saw him in a sling all wrapped up down there in New Orleans, so not available. It's a loss there. We only got to see, what, three quarters out of Yeah, two and a half. Him? I mean, practically. Come on, man. I know, right? But now you you throw in Jaston's Jaston Turrentine, who has experience. This guy's got experience at the college level. He was thrown in there a little bit um, at the end of the at well, really, what a guard at the Duquesne game, and then converted, like Coach Atkins said, over to tackle for the Louisville game. LSU, LSU. God dang it, LSU <laughs> game. I'm all over the place. I think it's because the L is in there. The L is getting me. But the LSU game, he was over there at the tackle position. Coach Atkins wants to see, he told us this week, he wants to see more consistency out of Jazz and Turrentine. What do you think, guys? What do you, I, There's just got to be more more consistency, and that's understandable. I thought, there, at least against LSU, he held his own. That's what you kind of just needed him to do. Just hold, yeah. hold as much as you can. First game, and you're going against LSU. And no matter what you have at LSU, you have talent there. I thought he held his own. He, he was solid. There, I think more than anything, he's got to get some communication things fixed up because we saw Jordan Travis take that targeting on what was essentially a, a, a blow miscommunication where they got a free rusher right out the middle mm-hmm. because they, you, you also had a blitz coming around the edge that turned time had a, there was a whole thing going on there, but I think more than anything, the communication just got to fix, get fixed. He's got talent and, and he held his own. And I think as he gets more comfortable at right tackle with this line, I think he's just going to continue to get better. 
Yeah, it's just going to take some time for him to get the the knowledge of the system down. This is a guy who got into Florida State late this summer, one of the final additions on the entire roster. So for him to now go from playing a, a role as a backup to stepping into the starting role for, it looks like, you know, potentially the rest of the season for Florida State, this is a little bit of a jump from where they expected things to go this early, I think. But Jasden, a guy who was a, a JUCO All-American who started games at South Carolina, the last two years, he should be able to adjust and at least be a serviceable piece for Florida State at right tackle. And I thought it was huge when you look at that LSU game, Florida State only played five guys on the offensive line the entire game. No one had to go out because they got banged up. No one missed any time. They played five bodies on that offensive line. And I think that's going to be key again going into this game against Louisville. You don't want to have any more guys go down on that unit. Yeah, I was talking with Mark Rogers earlier on the show. And I think that's a good note there, Dealer. This is one of the first times as FSU fans and as someone that covers the team, we've been able to see, well, you're going into your third game. You get to keep your whole starting lineup going in the third game. Last year, we there was, you didn't see that. Florida State gets to keep their entire starting offensive line. I know Bless Harris is out, but this is now Jason Turrentine's spot there at left tackle. You get to see that whole group coming, from, coming, coming back from a physical game. You said left tackle before this. You said no. left tackle. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> you did. You did. So now VZ's got his mark. Dilu had his early. I think we blame you've on Dilu because like he started. Four, though. Nah. Well, yeah. You messed yeah. up. I, I, I like being a leader. Well, I, said, I, said, I said a blitz coming around the left edge, which is true if you're looking at it from LSU's perspective. That's what I said. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah. We're going off the field. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, but anyways, yeah. So you're bringing back that. You're, hey, you're, giving, you're getting back that. Uh, don't worry, we're getting your basketball talk in a minute. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But, yeah, Jazz and Turntine, bringing back your starting offensive line from the LSU game, I think, is really nice for FSU. And that run game, because they've been successful, opening up holes for Trashawn Ward. Some things, though, against LSU where Ward kind of had to do thing on, things on his own, but he, you know, the offensive line was doing what they needed. That was the best back in the room to take advantage of. But I'm expecting not just a one-man show on Friday night. I'm expecting – two guys and as Dustin pointed out really early on the podcast Louisville's allowed big rushing games so far 200 plus in each game against UCF and Syracuse I think Florida State's got a better running back room than either of those two schools I think Syracuse has a better overall number one running back but then you look at UCF who has another true running quarterback and John Reese Plumley, who had some success on the ground but didn't have much much success as a passer he's only 16 of 34 I think you're going to see Travis use his legs a little bit more in this game. You saw against LSU, he was mainly using his legs to open up throws. This time, I think he's actually going to use those running lanes and try to take advantage of that Louisville defense that the front seven's kind of been struggling where their defensive backs were pretty good against UCF. Yeah, really for me, the key is to have success on the ground and then convert on, convert on third down. Uh, like I said earlier, they've given up 208 yards on the ground to Syracuse and they gave up 208 yards again on the ground to UCF. Now, granted, most of that production for the Knights was in the first half. Credit to Louisville for clamping down in that final 30 minutes and getting the win over UCF. So we'll have to see. Um, Florida State, they ran all over Duquesne. They had limited success against LSU, but we have to remember how good that front four and and front seven that they were going up against really was. Um, So I think we'll see Florida State – they're going to try and run the ball with the running backs, but it won't surprise me if they do some more sweeps like they were doing with the wide receivers and some other things to kind of get Louisville's defense moving uh, north to south or west to east. 
see if they can keep up with it laterally. Going to Tom's question here from Facebook asking, were you surprised that they aren't throwing passes to the running backs? Not particularly because the wide receiver was a little bit better this year. You kind of needed to last year because you want to get the ball. Guys in in space. Yeah, just get the ball to your best players in space. This year you got talented receivers that can do that for you. I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. Whenever they need to go to the running backs in the passing game, based on what we've seen in practice, I think they'll be able to do so. All three of those guys are contributors in the passing game. Key, key players for this game on FSU side. Key players that have to have a good game in order for Florida State to leave Kentucky with a win. Who, Certainly the linebackers, up? you know, Deloche and Tatum Bethune. I think we're all in agreement. This is the most excited we've been about a linebacker room at Florida state since Telvin Smith. Um, you're going against a major dual threat quarterback in Lee Cunningham, who I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about it. He hasn't thrown a touchdown so far in two games. He's got zero passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, but two interceptions and two fumbles, you know, using those linebackers, especially as spies is going to be big in this game, trying to keep him in the pocket. Cause personally, I think if you make, Malik Cunningham throw the football in this game, you're going to have a great chance of winning. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been that good so far. And yeah, maybe they unhandcuff him a little bit and give him some more freedom in the passing game. But we just haven't seen that through two games so far. And at this point, he's been on campus for what, five years? If you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? <laughs> and with, with you going to the linebackers, I'll piggyback and go with the defensive line because you know we know the talent in the interior – we know what Jared Verse is going to be able to bring. Derek McClendon, Dennis Briggs, Leonard Warner, like I mentioned earlier, showing some signs in practice this week. If Florida State can shut down Louisville running the ball and then the linebackers can spy Cunningham effectively and make them put the put the football in the air, as you mentioned, Austin, I think that's the game plan this defense is going to go for. Make Cunningham have to beat you with his arm and don't let him get it going on the ground. One player I – want to go into because I think you'll have some good spots and none of us really went on the offensive side but I want to stay on the defense and I want to say Jared Jackson I think this is going to be a really big game for him because we haven't talked about it Davion Lovett we don't know if he's going to be available on Friday night he went down with an injury against LSU seemed to be pretty significant he put on his IG story that everything's good but you know that's we're not we can't go fully off of that you know Magnavell hasn't given us a full update on him definitely if he would be available on Friday night so I'm expecting Jared Jackson had to step up. He had to go in against LSU. I think he brings a great tone. I mean, he is a very physical guy. He's able to cause some havoc there, and that's exactly what you would like to have to allow those linebackers to open up and be like, boom, there you go. We'll take care of wherever Malik Cunningham is going to have good eyes on the motion back there. I think that's what Florida State's and what Coach Shannon has done very good is making sure these linebackers understand their assignments and keeping – their eyes on that motion going there and that you're gonna have to do that with Malik Cunningham he's a dual threat guy but I'm expecting I'm expecting a big game out of Jared Jackson I've been high on him since the spring and now he's put into a position where he's gonna have to step up next to Robert Cooper on Friday night and I'm all here for it because the storyline of him leaving Louisville it just doesn't get any any better whatsoever but none of us really said anything on the offensive side well let me give us a chance yeah, let me give one. I did. I, I just gonna, I was going to flip back over. Yeah, let, let me give one. Whoever is whoever Jarvis Brownlee is guarding is a key player to watch. <laughs> oh because we know Florida State's going to want to 
I, I'll be honest. I think they're going to push him around a little bit, kind of get in his face, you know, put him on the ground on some blocks, moss him a couple of times. I think they're going to want to do that just because of a, he leaves the team B he costs us the Jacksonville state game and see, he's already made some headlines this week. Florida state has it in their minds. They're going to have to stay disciplined, keep their emotions in check when they're going against them. But I still think they're going to want to prove a point, And I wouldn't be surprised if at one point we're all on Twitter going, Oh my God, Brownlee, he did it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was going to go with another former Louisville Cardinal and Jordan Travis and, I know it's a little cliche, but you're going to this Friday night ACC matchup. you got Malik Cunningham on one side, Jordan Travis on the other side, two of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the entire conference. And and this one, they're two guys that are former teammates. Travis is going to have to go in here and, and outplay Cunningham to win this game for Florida State on Friday night. You know, he was really good in that win for FSU against LSU, particularly when it came to converting on those third downs. Uh, we talked about how Travis was able to get outside of the pocket, and it looks like there was a couple plays where he might scramble, but instead he kept his eyes downfield. He found a man at the last second despite taking a hit and got Florida State, what was 11 of 17 on third downs or 12 out of 17. Either way, a really good night for Florida State when it came to converting in big moments, and he's going to have to go do that again on a hostile in a hostile environment in Louisville. And this is a big game for Jordan Travis. You know, he wants to change the national perception that he's a scrambler who can't throw the ball. He's got another chance to do that against Louisville. Two quick questions. I want to go over this one's from Carol on Facebook asking. So is Marion Cooper looking better in practice this week? This is a thing where I think week by week, he's going to progress. He wasn't fully healthy. He didn't get to play against Duquesne played against LSU, you know, had to get the rust off him a little bit. This is a big game for Marion Cooper too, because I think it's to me at least. I and it just depends if Marion Cooper is fully healthy. Yeah, and I, I listen. You know, we were there interviewing him, um, and just seemed like whenever a question was asked, "So are you feeling hundred percent?" You know, said I'm, I'm feeling good. I think knocked off some rust against LSU. This will be a big game for him on Friday night to really get a true feel of what Amaron Cooper year two looks like, in my opinion, but you would love to have him going because Renato green right now looks like corner uh, CB one right now. Uh, there's another one here from King Stevens on Facebook. Do you think Jared verse gets three <laughs> sacks on Friday night? If Jared verse gets three sacks, then we got to start. I don't know what we got to start doing. Are we talking Jermaine Johnson? What are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, if I, he's getting three sacks a game, that would be better than Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. So. I, I I'm not allowed like, to say that. I'm not allowed to say that on this podcast, though. I'm not allowed to say it. No, I feel like I feel like there's not going to be many sacks in this game just because of what Malik Cunningham is. I mean, obviously, I'd love to be surprised. I just don't think you'll see that many. They haven't given up too many so far. Yeah, Louisville's offensive line has not lived up to standard these first two games, and now they've got a little bit of film on Jared Verse, they saw the performance that he had against um, LSU. So I think Louisville is going to try and get the ball out quicker and they're going to double team Verse and they're going to run a lot of play action, some misdirection. They're going to do stuff to try and keep Cunningham away from the pressure that Florida State's front seven could provide. Let's start jumping into some score prediction, guys. Let's start jumping into them, baby. And everybody well, in the I chat. Believe, I believe you're first. I think I am. Off what we did two yeah, we're ago. doing. Yeah, we're doing a little carousel here. So everybody will be starting off differently throughout the week. Um, 
I think we're almost close to 100 likes on YouTube, too. So everybody, um, almost 200 people on the line, too, watching. So I appreciate everybody on YouTube. I know we got a ton of y'all on Facebook, too. So I'm not forgetting you guys. And we got y'all on YouTube and Twitter, too. But if y'all on YouTube, hit, hit the like button. We're close to 100 likes tonight. So we'll definitely appreciate it and get it out to more FSU fans. But everybody, drop in your score predictions. Score predictions time for Florida State at Louisville. They will travel over there and we'll be facing Scott Satterfield where Mike Norvell has not been successful at all against uh, Satterfield. Um, this one, I, I felt very, I don't know, iffy about throughout the weekend and then heading into it, now being able to listen to a few of the preview podcasts that Louisville put up from all of the outlets around there. I feel I, I feel better. Definitely after coming to the practices on Monday and Tuesday, I was really looking to see how sharp they looked because I thought they looked great for the Louisville game. I mean, that's understandable. You've got to be ready LSU. for that. LSU, my bad. But going into the Louisville game, they looked the same way. Very, I think it's because L. It's got to be because that L is up there. Either way, both week practices look the same, and that's exactly what I wanted to see if I was going to go and put Florida State on the win column here. Um, I'm not going to say much more else, but say uh, look out for number 12 on defense for FSU on Friday night and get ready for Micah Pittman. We talked about him earlier in the practice reports, but something seems to start clicking here between Jay Trav and Micah Pittman, the Oregon transfer wide receiver. Look, look for Pittman and look for Jared Jackson on Friday night. In my opinion, I'm going Florida State 31, Louisville 24. Looking forward to starting this season on this podcast, 3-0. and A lot of us can't, or nobody else can say that on here. So, Ugh. Ugh. I had this uh, game uh, pegged as a loss coming into the year. I had Florida State losing to LSU as well, and they are able to turn the tide and win that game. And looking at this one, for me, it just came down to Malik Cunningham. But things haven't gotten off to such a pretty start for Louisville over the first two weeks of the season. I know they're able to get that win over UCF, but I mean, that was a battle down to the finish. Their offense has had some real struggles early on. And you look over at the Florida state defense right now, top 25 defense in the country. Um, they looked pretty solid against LSU. There, there was a little bit of shakiness in that fourth quarter, but they were able to come out and get the victory. And I think that's going to be, the difference in this one, Florida State's defense against Louisville's offense. So I'm going to go Florida State 31, Louisville 27. It's going to be a little closer than people expect. I think it could get a little bit ugly with this being Florida State's first game on the road, maybe some penalties, um, some nervousness early on as they settle in. But I do believe the Seminoles are going to get the ship righted throughout the game and come out in the second half and win this one in Louisville, go to one and no in conference play and top 25 team on Monday. Top 25. Who's the, who's the uh, player of the game for FSU on Friday night? Jordan Travis. Jay Trav, old school. All right. VZ, what do you got? It's so like Logan, I kind of had some weird feelings like throughout the week, didn't know how to take it because, yeah, on one hand, you look at Malik Cunningham and, and their Louisville's offense, it's been bad. It's been really, really bad so far. And, you know, as we're all betting the roulette table two weeks ago, you look at trends, you know. Am I betting on red? Am I betting on black? Is is he going to keep being bad or is he due for a change and going to have a good offensive performance? You know, that that's kind of been on my mind this week. And Florida State's got to be really good in the red zone this week. We didn't really talk about it that much, but they really missed some chances against LSU, you know, 
coming away with no points twice inside the 10 yard line, that can't happen in this game. You know, Syracuse was a perfect four of four in the red zone against Louisville, whereas UCF was just two of four. I think the red zone's gonna be huge in this game. And as long as Florida State can get to like how they were last year, you know, converting time and time again in the red zone, I think they'll be fine. I, I went back and forth. I I even said two hours ago I didn't even really have a pick in this game yet. Yeah. I I'm gonna take Florida State. I'm not confident in it. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be like a 27-24 kind of game where something weird happens at the end. But I am gonna take Florida State much to the surprise of some people in the comments. Um, and I don't even, part of it is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch the game. Um, I'm going to be at the Bristol race on Friday night. Um, so who knows if I'll even be able to watch, but we'll see. Where, 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 where are we turning in NASCAR? What's going on here? So, where, where did we, long where did long this... story. I know a driver. He said, come to the race. I said, okay, long story short. I like short stories. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, you are the plug for him with the shoe game. Is that what's going on here? I didn't know NASCAR this like is, drivers even cared about shoes they're wearing because nobody sees them while they're in the you'd, car. But... You'd be surprised. You'd really hey, be surprised. I'm, he's I'm got one. Big... He's got one of the craziest collections I've ever seen. So, Barado uh, here. Garcia says uh, Dustin for player of the game. So Delu, when are you heading up to Louisville? Whenever you buy me a flight. I don't feel like. I don't feel like doing that. I don't think you really want to go either. So I don't think so. Louisville's a nice place. I got family there. Well, I don't have family there, so maybe I don't. Why aren't you going to see him? Because yeah. I'm going to Bristol NASCAR race. <laughs> I <already> said it. <laughs> oh my goodness, goodness gracious! Yeah, there was a couple uh, things in here real quick too. There was one question that I want to go to because a nice person, Larry, came in a little late here, but asking. I'm just coming in, but I would like to know how do you think Florida State's front four and their linebackers can contain Louisville's uh, quarterback? We talked about this earlier, but just to point out, I'd really like to play that Kalen Deloach has been playing at along with Tatum Bethune smarts. I mean, he just knows where to go at the right time. And then DJ Lundy is just so much more athletic and is able to stay and, and more drives. And I have to be subbed out as much. I think those three might be the MVPs of the game, in my opinion, because yeah, yeah. Jaden Daniels, they're playing prevent on that last fourth quarter drive there. But for the most part, I thought that where the linebackers needed to be, we used to have to complain about the linebacker play. We haven't done that in the first two games we know it's Duquesne, blah, blah, blah. But LSU, we, we haven't had to complain about them. We used to gripe on them every year on this podcast. But so far, it's been pretty silent there on uh, linebacker play. And I've, I've been really, really damn impressed with Kalen Deloach. I thought that he was – he had a big-time show out last year breaking out like this. But now he's just taking it to a different level. And, you know, I, I don't want to give full-on shout-out to Coach Randy Shannon yet, maybe after this game. But – I think he's done a good job in that room so far. It's going to be a huge game for the linebackers and the defensive ends as far as containing uh, Malik Cunningham. And, yeah, we talked about it earlier, but Jaden Daniels was able to break that contain a couple times and get LSU a couple big unscripted plays that helped the Tigers get some points and move the ball in crucial situations. So I think, you know, you mentioned the three linebackers, but it's just as important for Jared Verse, Derek McClendon, not to get caught too far upfield and lose their contain or, or be too aggressive. That's going to be huge. And Florida State, to their credit, the coaching staff, they've been working different ways to try and emulate what Malik Cunningham is going to bring. We, I don't think we've mentioned it tonight, but 
Florida State had Travis Jay working at scout team quarterback a couple times this week just to have another player back there who's athletic, who's quick, who has experience playing quarterback before. Jay played it at Madison County before he signed with Florida State just to work on those QB runs and the QB sweeps, thing, different things like that that Florida State is going to face against Malik Cunningham. And that's not something that we saw the team really doing before they played Jaden Daniels. So it just shows that they're making that more of a point of emphasis to shut down what Cunningham is going to try and do on the ground. A fun game. Before we get off here, though, VZ, give us the latest as the ACC. So yeah, VZ's starting to tingle down there. Oh, my God. Oh, my bad. Pause. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, the ACC released their conference schedule. VZ, I'll give it to you, and I'll mute myself. I'm so excited. We have basketball to talk about. I'm sorry for everyone else that's already clicking away. Go ahead. It's fine. I'm used to it. Wait, wait. Before just... they leave, before they leave, though, hit the like button, though. Before you please, leave, please we're like. getting we're getting to basketball talk, but hit the like button before you leave. We would definitely appreciate it, but go ahead. We, we, we finally got the ACC schedule. Um, Non-conference schedule came out two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago. We already knew that. The first four games for Florida State is going to be tough starting ACC play. You got at Virginia, home against Louisville, home against Notre Dame, and then at Duke. It's a brutal first four games to, to start your ACC play with. If you can come away from that, three and one you're feeling really really good about yourself even if you're two and two i don't think you're that upset then you get a little break against georgia tech at home and then you're right back at it at wake forest who's probably still gonna be pretty good home against virginia at notre dame at pitt who pitt's got some talent this year you can't really sleep on it um i still don't trust coach capel as a head coach but they have talent which is something we can't say for them in the last two or three years then I think it starts to ease up a little bit. You get Miami at home. You get Clemson at home at NC State, who's not very good. At Louisville, uh, home against Syracuse, home against Pitt, at Clemson versus Boston College. That stretch, you're hoping you can go 8-1, and 7-2. Then you close the season out at Miami. Senior night, big Monday on ESPN against North Carolina. I'm expecting the Tucker Center to be rocking for that one. That's going to be an awesome, awesome game. Then you close the season out at Virginia Tech, who lost a lot of talent from last year, but they're still going to be able to shoot the lights out like we all witnessed last year. Very talented three-point shooting team. Not a team you could sleep on. The Hokies are going to be right back at it. It's an interesting schedule. It really is. That first half is a lot. It's pretty difficult, honestly. Once you get to mid to late January, early February, it starts to ease up a little bit. But I like the way it sets up. You're going to get a – Real quick feel for how this team is. The team's going to have to grow up quick. They're going to have to gel quick because, as I mentioned in, in the article, they've got eight newcomers on this team and only five returning players. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Do you see your um, name down there? Yeah, I see my it's name. It's still staying laughing. there until the season tips off. That's no, that's fair. Um, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm really, really excited. I'm already working on booking hotels for the games that are around me. There are six games within three hours of me. I can't wait. I really cannot wait. Yeah, no, I'm excited. You know, Austin does an incredible job. If you guys, I know there's a lot of football people on here tonight, but, you know, throughout the season, we'll be doing really good coverage, and Austin leads that there. 
uh, along with Jacob, but Austin hoping to send him to a few games. We had him at the Duke game. I actually got to see him on ESPN, saw him in the corner over there with his white long sleeve with the NG logo. But Easy does an incredible job covering Florida State basketball. Great analysis. So get ready for some pieces to start coming. We already He already dropped one earlier, uh, given the rundown of the new ACC conference schedule heading into the season. Real quick, Easy, though, what stretch kind of early on maybe – gives you the most concern for FSU. What's the tar- toughest part of that schedule? Yeah, so, so even though those first four ACC games are separated, those first two, you're going to have one hell of a two-week period there because you're going to come out of that Orlando tournament, who's got some good teams. You got Memphis, you got Oklahoma, you got Stanford, you got Seton Hall. There's some good teams there. You come right out of that, you play Purdue at home for what feels like the 10th time in a row. You go at Virginia that Saturday, and then you come home a week later to play Louisville that's a tough stretch for real early in the season. Um, Hopefully you have success at the ESPN invitational in Orlando. If you could get to the championship game there, I think you're pretty happy with that, but then you got to come right back, get some revenge against Purdue. Then you got to go travel at Virginia who has absolutely not forgotten what happened last year with that Matthew Cleveland, unreal turnaround (laughs) three point buzzer Peter. Um, And then you come home against Louisville who I just talked about. Neither of these two teams likes each other. It's going to be a very emotional, very tough stretch that, again, if you can come three away, three and one from that stretch, you're feeling really good. Get a little bit of break as you play St. John's. You, you play USC Upstate. But then you come right back at it with, with the heart of ACC schedule, home against Notre Dame, and then at Duke after Christmas break on New Year's Eve. Um, going to be a tough stretch. It is going to be a tough stretch, but it's going to be fun to cover, hopefully. I can't wait. I can't Hopefully. wait. I, I'm actually excited about this team. Last year, I had weird feelings going in. This year, I I really like what I've been hearing. Whoa, I really like it. Whoa, okay. Be excited to hear the preview. We always have Ari on. Maybe we'll get Aria back on here. He's a he's a big guy now with the ACC Network. I don't know if we can. Yeah, uh, I feel, I I feel like he might have moved on from us. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. He might be back at a restaurant eating wings again. <laughs> um, yeah, our friend Aria always coming on here to do a great game preview. Shout out to him getting the new gig with ACC Network. But that is going to wrap up tonight's podcast. Um, had a great, great time being able to preview uh, Louisville, which, I, like I said earlier, we're going to try to do that throughout the season with a lot of the Sports Illustrated publishers out there. Uh, you know, I think that gives a good perspective of fans want to see going in and get a good perspective of the players to watch out for uh, and, you know, all the kind of intel going over there. So all the insider news from opponents, we're going to continue to try to do that throughout the season, along with having some other guests like we had last week with Jeff Colane. We're on the, we're working on, on trying to find some more throughout the season to keep some things entertaining. So you don't just have to hear our voices all the time. So I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast before you leave though, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, We'd really appreciate it. All you got to do on YouTube is hit that like button. It's free. Also, the subscribe button. I don't really talk about the subscribe button a lot, but hit the subscribe button. Would deeply appreciate it because then it will show up on your feed and you won't miss any kind of episode or live video. We'll do an instant reaction too. Just letting you guys know we'll do an instant reaction um, Friday night after the game. Uh, coming on here and giving you our thoughts on hopefully maybe Florida State's winning streak continuing going 3-0 and for Mike Bell and ending that streak against Scott Satterfield. So uh, as always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Appreciate everybody hanging out. All of y'all, this was crazy tonight. Never seen uh, all the support. It definitely helps us, drives us to keep on coming on here and trying to give you guys as much good content. And sorry for the slip-ups tonight. You know, it's just one of those kind of nights. Just one of those kind of nights, but I uh, appreciate everybody 
hanging out with us. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's week. And we'll talk to you guys on Friday night. Peace.